Your relationships with others, your marriages, your friendships, your acquaintances on the job, people you, you meet. As a Christian, how does God expect us to relate with others and how do we have successful relationships? And um, you might be surprised, though, that the Bible has an awful lot to say about relationships and, and it's very different in some respects than, than the advice you're going to get from the world. So make sure that you follow along this morning. You could always get these notes from me. Uh, see me afterwards. I can always text them to you. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will bless you for it. In the King James it says, For you have been called to give a blessing so that you may inherit a blessing. So, so God has called us to inherit a blessing, but primarily He's called us to give a blessing. And it's in the giving of the blessing to others, or, or could I say being a blessing to others, that the Lord releases our inheritance upon our life of being blessed. So with that first thought in mind, let me talk just a little bit about the fact that you're called to be a blessing. God's will for all of your relationships, whether they are marriage relationships, marriage relationships with your children, relationships with uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ, relationships with unsaved people. God's will for all of your relationships is that, is that you be the blesser in the relationship. You be the giver. You be the light in your relationship to other people. Number one, just take hold of that, if you will. And the reason is, is that God wants to demonstrate His wonderful grace his great love through you. That's the reason why he's called you to be a blessing or a giver, to be a light to others. So set your mind to be a sower. You know what a sower is? A sower is a farmer who sows his seed this year to receive a crop next year. No sowing this year, no crop next year. Do you get the importance? You can have the land, you can have the farm equipment, you can have the seed. You can have everything, the skills, you can know what to do, but if you don't go out and sow, you're going to be hungry next year. You understand that God's universal purpose in everything is that in order to reap tomorrow, you need to sow today. You eat today from yesterday's sowing, and you will eat tomorrow from your sowing today. So God wants to demonstrate His grace through you. You're called to inherit a blessing. So the Lord is saying, be a sower, be a giver, be the one who gives. In fact, Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. I always, when I was first saved, thought it was a little odd because I thought Jesus is the light of the world. So why does He say, I am the light of the world? It's because... As I said before, God wants to demonstrate His grace through us. Well, how does God do that? How does God demonstrate His grace through us? And why would God want to do that? Because if God wants to show that He's great and that He's loving and pour out grace on other people, 
Why use us? Why not just do it so that he would receive all the direct credit? Because if we give light and grace and kindness to other people, won't that reflect on us? But see, that's how God wants to glorify himself. He wants other people to see you in relationship with Jesus, being blessed, and it turning you into a giver and making you a lover and a giver to others. Because then they get the idea, if God can bless you, then God can bless me. They get the idea that if, if your relationship with the Lord results in you being kind and being blessed and sharing with others, then guess what? I get that message, and it encourages me. So there, there is a benefit to the Lord showing His blessings through others, because ultimately, the Lord's not sitting in eternity saying, I want a planet full of people that are just willing to look into the heavens and go, well, God must have done this. His ego doesn't need it. There's no part of Him that, that needs that. But because the Bible says God is love, what he does need, if God needed anything, was to give and to share. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. And so the way God is glorified is us receiving that message. And so that's why God wants you to be a sower. Um, you're in that relationship you're in. Some of you are sitting together as husbands and wives, friends your brothers and sisters in Christ, and there's a whole world out there that, you know, in one degree or another, you do have a relationship with. And you're in that relationship for one purpose, give light. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. So I want you today to buy into the idea that God's will for you in every relationship is that you give light, that you be the light, be the blesser to others. Now, probably the first thing a lot of you are going to say is, if it depends on the light I have, I'm not going to be much of a blessing to somebody. If it depends on my life, which is pockholed with, with imperfections, and I have great reservoirs and storehouses of emptiness in my life, uh, materially, emotionally, mentally, financially, so how can I be a giver to others? Well, as you might have figured out already, because you are a sharp, sharp group, it's not your abundance that makes you a giver. It's your relationship with the one who is abundant that enables you to be a giver. He's the one who wants to give his love to the world, but he's chosen to do it through you. And so no matter how low you are, no matter how needy you are, you can be that one that gives the Lord's love and grace to those that you're in relationship with. You just got to decide to be that person who's the blesser. Some of you have seen yourself in every significant relationship you have as being the needy partner. It's time for that to change this morning. It's time for you to realign yourself in your relationships. Turn that aim, that focus to the Lord because he's the only one who can meet that need. And let him fill you so that your position with everyone else, beginning with your family relationships and everyone else, is not that you are the needy one, but that you are the giving one. Can you say praise the Lord? Now the only way that you can be a giver or be a blesser to someone else is that you have to get your own fulfillment from the Lord. 
Nobody else can complete you. And I think one of the first things we need to learn in relationships is that no matter how perfect the matchup is in a marriage, no matter how compatible a friendship may be or the things that attract you to other people that you form these really neat bonds with or what you get out of it, the reality is, is that that person cannot fulfill you. Sometimes people have relationships with groups. They want to join the right group. They find a group that identifies with them. These people are at my socioeconomic level, or these people are into the same styles and tastes that I have. I, I feel comfortable with my group of friends, or I feel comfortable with my church group, or, or the circles that I run in. I like these people, they like me. But the fact is, is that for whatever you get out of that association, whether it is with a husband or whether it's with a group of friends, whatever you get out of it, they cannot complete you. As we often say, you have a Jesus-shaped hole in your soul, and only Jesus can fill it. And that may sound cheesy, but the reason that statement has endured for so many years is because it's so true. <laughs> it is so true. Only Jesus can complete you. So the secret number one in all of your relationships and let's, let me just build this up a little bit and say, maybe you're sitting there this morning, you're thinking, God, I need this. I, please give me a key, something I can walk away with because I, my relationships are a mess. And I need a breakthrough. I need help. I, you know, I can't seem to keep relationships. Or my relationships always end up in some sort of struggle or strife. Or I leave relationships because I, they start out with a lot of uh, enthusiasm and expectation and they always end up in disappointment and I always end up leaving or being kicked out of the group or something like that. So you might be sitting there saying, tell me something good. Let me hear something this morning. Tell, tell me how I can, you know, have relationships that are going to bring more than pain and emptiness into my life. First thing you do is forget about all of them. Forget about, in, in terms of looking to those relationships to feed you, and in terms of looking at your marriage or your relationship with your children or your friends or whatever it is, in terms of looking to them to fulfill you or to bring satisfaction in your life, I'd like you to put, it, put that down and step away from it for a moment. Just completely let go of it. Take your eyes. Remove your expectation from your husband. Remove your expectation from your wife. Remove it from your friends, from your group. Stop holding on to them with your hands outstretched. Let go, and I want you to turn all that attention to Jesus. That is rule number one, is give yourself to Jesus first. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 3-5. Listen to how Paul said it. This is really remarkable. And what he's talking about is he's talking about a situation where a great famine had hit Jerusalem and all the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were basically starving and were in very de desperate circumstance. And so Paul was going throughout the Roman Empire to all the churches where he had preached the gospel and established churches and he was receiving offerings to take back to the saints, to God's people, in Jerusalem to bring relief to them. Well, among all those churches was the Church of the Macedonians. And among all the churches, they 
were suffering themselves under significant persecution and hardship, and also they were poor on top of it. They really didn't have anything to give. So he's writing to the Corinthians, bragging about how the Macedonian believers gave to the relief effort of the Jews. All right, so listen to what he says. For I give them, the Macedonians, witness that they were able, and even more than they were able, they gave from the impulse of their hearts, seriously requesting us that we might, that they might have a part in this grace of being servants to the needs of the saints. And going even farther than we had hoped, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us after the purpose of God. You know, it's always wonderful when you find keys, principles, keys that unlock doors. Think of them as formulas. Universal keys, universal formulas that open doors throughout the universe. I just read you one of the truly great keys. It'll work for your life and your life and your life and anybody's life. If you do what I just read, God will open doors for you. It says that they not only gave out of their poverty, but they went far beyond what was expected. And he says this, for they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us to do God's will. The Macedonians, the poorest of all of them, by contrast, gave more than anyone to the relief effort because they gave themselves first to the Lord. There is the principle. On a Monday morning, Tuesday, midweek, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when trouble comes on the weekend, whatever the problem is, if you'll get up every day and give yourself first to the Lord, give yourself to Jesus. Make Jesus your significant relationship. Make His the one that matters. Make His the relationship you go to to receive fulfillment. And then you will have something to give, something to bless with, something to shine with. But you know what happens when you don't do that. You give the precious little bit that you've got, and the person you give it to is like, eh, meh. And then you're what? Mad. You feel, I just took my little treasure. And look at what they've done with it. You know what happens, don't you? And then guess what happens after that happens three or four or five times? I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore. But you're having the wrong relationship. You're playing the wrong part. Be the giver. How do you do that? Give yourself to Jesus first. So the secret to being an amazing giver is make Jesus your primary relationship, then let him loan you out to others. Really, seriously, I want you to think about whatever relationships you've got on your mind right now, particularly the ones that are causing you stress and difficulty. They are probably the ones you expect the most from. They're probably the other, because the ones you don't expect anything from, eh, who cares? It's no big deal. But the ones that matter to you are the ones that hurt you. They're the ones that you're disappointed with because you care about them. They matter to you. If they matter to you that much, then they matter to you enough. Give yourself to Jesus. Make him your primary relationship. And then let him loan you to that person or to that group or 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Be on loan from the Lord once you've given yourself to Him and praise the Lord, you will have something to give. You know, I think of this magnificent story in the Gospels of Jesus multiplying the fish and the bread. And I'd like you to think of yourself as one of those loaves of bread or one of those fish. There were, there were 5,000 uh, men, not to mention all the women. It could have been 15,000 people. And uh, the disciples said, send them home. You know, they're hungry. And Jesus said, if I send them home, they're going to pass out. There's no McDonald's. There's no, there's no uh, chicken joints or anything on the way. They're, going to, they're, they're already hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. They're your people. They're your brothers and sisters. They're your neighbors. You feed them. You have a relationship with them. And they said, well, how are we going to feed them? We got here, we got, we found a kid that's got a little bit, of, he's got a couple of fish and some loaves. And that's all that we have. Jesus said, bring it to me. It's not enough. What you have is not enough for you to have a successful relationship with your husband, with your wife. You don't have what it takes. You don't have enough. Let's just start from that point. You don't have enough. You've got some, but you don't have enough. And Jesus said, I, I want you to give what you've got to me. Oh, man, this is all I've got. At least, you know, I can make a few people happy. Give it to me. And what did Jesus do with it? Once they gave the lunch to him, the Bible says he lifted it up to heaven and he gave thanks. He blessed it. And then he gave it back to you and said, go pass it out. And the Bible says that by the time they were, they were done and everyone, 15,000 people had eaten, they picked up 12 baskets full. You see how it works? Give yourself first to Jesus. But here's the problem. You can't be free to give or to be the light to someone that you're upset with because you're using them to fulfill your own needs and they're failing you. You can't bless at the same time that you're mad because they are not gratifying you or you feel they're robbing you in the relationship. And maybe they are. Let's say you're 100% right. If it helps you to be right, some people have got to be right. Then since I'm the preacher this morning, I'll tell you, you're right. You are right. I feel terrible for you, poor thing. You are being abused, and, and they are taking advantage of you. So if that makes you feel any better, let's get on with the point. What is the point? The point is that you yourself will not be free to really give the way God wants you to give in that relationship as long as you're upset with them that they're withholding from you. Because you're looking to them rather than God. As long as you look to them, you're going to be upset. If they are mad with you, you're going to be mad with them. But when you're looking to the Lord and they're mad with you, you see them hurt by anger and it will provoke love and mercy in you to want to help them. Wouldn't you love to be that person? Get it from Jesus. Galatians, Galatians presents this. I want to give you a scripture for everything I'm saying to you this morning. So here's one out of Galatians 5. Verse 14 and 15. Galatians puts the principle that I just described to you to us this way. For the entire law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But, Paul goes on to say, if you bite and devour one another, in other words, if you eat one another like a grilled cheese sandwich, if you bite and devour one another, watch out. 
that you are not consumed by one another. Now, I get, I'm going to give you a grilled cheese sandwich. Some people take big bites, some people nibble. But I don't care whether you take big bites and devour the grilled cheese sandwich in four bites or if it takes you 23 nibbles. There's one thing that's true about every grilled cheese sandwich is it has an end. It's not perpetual. You keep nibbling away, one day that grilled cheese sandwich isn't going to be there. You keep biting chunks off of people, it's not going to be there, right? So you get the idea that Paul is saying, if you try to eat other people's lives that you're in relationship with to fulfill yourself, eventually there's not going to be anything left to have a relationship with. Many marriages and friendships end because they've been devoured. Okay, you get the general idea. Now, Jesus, he gave you your life. He gave you your life so that, that he could be your shelter and your nourishment, so that he could feed you. Can you say praise the Lord? You know, then that makes you free to just enjoy the fruit of other people's lives without having to devour them. You can receive fruit from a tree as long as you're not chopping it down for wood. But once you decide, I've got to have shelter, I've got to have a place to live, and many people look at their marriages that, that way. They take their husband or their wife, and they don't mean to, but they, they chop them down for wood to make a place where they can live. You know, I'm, I'm, you're going to be my life. But God brings people into our life to share fruit. You chop that thing down, and guess what? You're not going to get any fruit. The only way to not devour people is to get your nourishment and sustenance from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 11 through 12 says, and this is Paul's way of talking about how he dealt with this in his relationship, and a lot of the people that Paul ministered to were not always grateful, but he, could, he poured himself out to a lot of people and had relationships with them, and they would, well, if you read particularly First and Second Corinthians, you could see how people had relationships with Paul. And, and Paul discusses how he handled those relationships. Listen to what he said. For we who live, speaking of himself, we are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Now that's a difficult scripture. Because you're thinking, well, what is he talking about? I'm constantly being delivered over to death so that death works in me and life in you. Well, we know that, that Paul faced death everywhere he went. We know that he, had, he was stoned and shipwrecked and beaten and he, and he went through all kinds of terrible physical trials. But I think what he's talking about at the core is that he went to the Lord and died to self. Whatever hope and expectation he had of of receiving from the people he was ministering to, he died to that expectation so that he could go to the Lord and let the Lord be his fulfillment. Yeah. And he says, that's the only way that life can be in you. Death works in us so that life works in you. And I would say to every husband and every wife, if you really want a successful marriage, that principle's got to work that worked in Paul's life. Death works in me so that life can work in you. As long as I am trying to to live off of you, I'm devouring the person that God's called me to bless. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
Once you do that, you can't receive a blessing from them. You can't both devour a person and then expect blessing from them. And just withdrawing yourself in bitterness is not being the blesser. You still need to be blessed. And so God says, be a blessing. You need to be a blessing. Can you say amen? He says, death works in us so that life works in you. Our relationship with others, particularly our loved ones, ought to produce life in them. That is the thing that you should take away from that verse. Why am I in this relationship? Because my participation with you should be producing life in you. You're in that relationship so that your contribution results in life in that person. Every Christian needs to understand every relationship you have should be an offer of life to the person or the people that you're having that relationship with. That's really the signature of Jesus. He came into the world and offered life to everyone. Now, not everyone received that life. Some of them turned on him and they devoured him and they put him to death. But on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was determined, I'm going to bless even my enemies. I'm going to bless those who despitefully use me. On the cross, he blessed everyone, didn't he? He laid that blessing down whether they took it or not. But it requires death in you. He wasn't able to do it. He couldn't have made that statement from any other position other than the cross. Father, forgive them. He died to self in order that he might bring blessing to us. So you and I need to die to the motivation of self that takes its life from others rather than from God. Let me say that one more time because that is the linchpin of this message. To give life requires death in you. Dying to the motivation of self, that motivation that tries to take life from others rather than taking it from God. You need to die to that motivation. If that motivation is in you this morning, when we have the altar called, you need to be up at that altar and you need to lay that down. If you want to inherit a blessing, then you have to give a blessing. And you're not going to be a giver of a blessing as long as you're wanting to get your blessing from a husband or a wife or someone you're in a relationship with. Does God want to bless you through that person? Yes, but that's got to be left in His hands, not yours. Our relationships, particularly with people we love, should never be based on manipulation. I do for you, therefore you do for me. That's how husbands and wives get into arguments. Well, I tried, but you did this. Yeah, but she said that. And well, he did this and she's... Once you hear that kind of stuff going on back and forth, both parties have abandoned their mission to be a giver. And they're both wrapped up in getting from each other. They're both offended. All right, you, you get what I'm saying. I, you understand. Now, having said that, listen to what Brother Paul says. We're coming down to the end of this thing. Listen to this. This is out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. It's a little lengthy section of Scripture. Every phrase is critical. Everything I've said, take it, process it through what I'm going to read you about Paul's comments concerning Jesus. Don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out every one on their own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself even further in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him a name above every name. So how did Jesus receive the blessing from the Father? He humbled himself and when he was with us, he did not insist that we relate to him and bow to him. He didn't insist that we acknowledge who he was. Did he want us to do that? For our benefit, yes. But he didn't go around basing his relationship with us on whether we acknowledged him properly. He always thought about you and I, not about whether we were properly relating with him. It's pretty amazing when you think about how Jesus gave us an example of how to have a relationship. So I'll say to you this morning that when you turn away from, li- from, from living off of your relationships with other people in order to live off of your relationship with Jesus, then you will find the flow of eternal life moving in you that will make you a giver and a light to the world. So serve others. Don't look to them for your reward. Just serve them and give yourself to Jesus and let your heavenly Father take care of you. Let's close our Bibles and stand together. Now, nobody knows what you have in your mind or heart this morning but your heavenly Father. And He's the one who matters. And I know many of you have already been to this altar. But I'm going to call the entire church to come down to the front. We're going to close together up front. As a step of faith, I'd like all of you to come. And and if you would, please bunch together. We don't need one little line. You can just all bunch up. Just come like a... Just come like a bunch of bananas. Please get in close. You you guys over there. I know you're leaving a gap for people, but that's that's wonderful. But now we have a relationship with one another. You have a relationship with, very spe- with special people in this room, and you have relationships with people outside of this room. But this morning, Jesus is calling you, you and I. He's calling us to let Him be Lord of those relationships. He wants to love those people through you. And you know what? He wants to bless you. Amen. He said, you've been called to receive a blessing, therefore give a blessing. So if there is anything going on in my life or in yours that is hindering God from being able to pour His goodness out upon you, His blessing upon you, 
probably it's in the area of your relationship with others. That's usually where the hindrance is. And so I would ask you today, as we close in prayer, to just think of any of those areas where you're devouring or expecting others rather than Jesus and just simply turn that desire to the Lord Himself and let go and free those people so that you could be a lover and a giver and a light to them. Sound good?